Schlepping Up to Boston is written and produced by Boston Latin School senior Lev Sugarman Brozan. Production of this podcast is made possible by the Senior Capstone Research Program at Boston Latin School, supported by Sydney and Deanna Wolk and their family. When researching Boston Jewish history, one will almost immediately stumble upon one of the most difficult questions that there is to answer about Jews in Boston. This involves the departure of Jewish people from Boston proper, mostly from the neighborhoods of Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan, in the middle third of the 20th century. By the last third of the century, the Jewish community within the true city of Boston had essentially vanished but there's still considerable historical debate as to what caused this migration. My grandfather remembers how quickly he saw the Jewish community change when he moved from Roxbury to Revere and then went back later in his life. When we moved there, it was 50 or 60% Jewish, 40, 50% African-American. When we moved out three years later, it was 70% African-American and very few Jewish families lived in that. They were all leaving. They were going to the suburbs. They were yep. going to um, other areas. Line, yeah, yeah. yeah. One side of the narrative attributes the death of Boston's Jewish communities to intentional targeting for affordable housing as well as blockbusting and redlining. About 50 years ago, Boston pioneered a program called the Boston Bank's Urban Renewal Group with the aim of increasing home ownership for African-American citizens. Any person living below the poverty line was eligible for a loan to buy a home, with no down payment and low interest rates. In theory, any neighborhood would be fair game, but this wasn't what happened. Real estate agents drew lines around Jewish neighborhoods as their targets for these loans. Jewish people were seen as the only community that wouldn't fight integration as viciously as other neighborhoods would, or the easiest to move out. And so, a campaign of urban blockbusting and redlining began. Real estate agents rapidly began to move into the Jewish sections of Boston, quite often knocking on doors and relaying horror stories of violent crime to Jewish families in an attempt to scare them into moving out. The decline of Jewish Mattapan and Roxbury was rapid after this development. Jewish families moved out at a rate that was unparalleled in modern history, and the ones that were committed to staying would, for the most part, live to regret it. I had the honor of speaking with Professor Jonathan Sarna, a professor of Jewish history at Brandeis University, and one of the national leading experts on American Jewish history. He describes the speedy rate with which Jews left Boston. Now, what is very striking in Boston, I remember it, is how quickly the Mattapan Dorchester community collapsed. This is a community that in the 1920s is, is absolutely the center of Jewish Boston. Mishkan Tfila is the most important synagogue in Boston. And it's not just 30 years later that were, I guess, 40, mid, mid, uh, 40 years later, it's vanished, but it was really the, how it ended that, that was so traumatic. Um, and what happens, I think, 
is that when urban renewal takes place after World War II, Scully Square, um, uh, you know, and, and other areas are torn down, there's little doubt that people were told, you know, move to those Jewish areas. They'll let you in. You'll be a lot happier than if you move to Irish areas. And that's in fact correct. Uh, the Irish um, uh, made it almost impossible for people, say, who wanted to move to South Boston. Horrible things uh, took place. And the Jewish community initially hoped, okay, well, you know, we're not prejudiced, we'll live with African Americans. For a time that happened, but then a tipping point came. More and more Jews moved out, more, um, uh, uh, more and more African Americans, including some who were very poor, moved in. Uh, crime built up. There is little doubt, and this is, of course, what Levine Harmon talk about, that in the late 50s, early 60s, blockbusting takes place, meaning that um, uh, people would knock on your door, offer to buy your house, and tell you, you know, if you don't sell your house now, uh, nobody will buy it. In a few years, you'll have a total loss. And then uh, people would buy it and, uh, you know, flip it quickly. Um, and, and banks would not lend to Jews who wanted to move into that area. Though the Jewish community quickly left the city of Boston in search of suburbs, there were still those who were committed to preserving their Jewish community in Boston. Those people, according to Professor Sarna, would face severe consequences in the final years of the death of Boston Jewish neighborhoods. Lots of people moved voluntarily, but the last years in Dorchester and Mattapan uh, were ugly uh, in terms of violence. I knew people uh, you know, who experienced that violence and people, and what made it hard, especially hard, was that the, the folks who said, you know, uh, we're going to stay put, we don't, we'll live happily. They were the ones who were most likely to lose and be beaten and lose their money, whereas the other folks, uh, uh, you know, said, oh, we saw the writing on the wall, we were smart enough to get out. Levine, Harmon, Paul Hyman were very critical of the people who left, but the people who left said, we were very smart. We were smart enough to know when to leave. Why do you criticize us? Do you criticize Jews who saw the writing on the wall in Germany? No, you say they were smart enough to get out. Well, we were smart enough to get out. Levine and Harmon's narrative in The Death of an American Jewish Community is certainly not wrong. This blockbusting and redlining did occur. There's no denying it. 
But there's a reason that a historical debate remains. The other side of the story claims that Boston's Jewish neighborhoods were already in decline. This was just the nail on the coffin. Jewish people were already moving out of the city as they gained wealth. It wasn't just them, this was a national trend. This period of history saw increased affluence for most participants of its society, allowing a suburban, middle-class lifestyle to be available to an increasing number of people. This, some argue, was the true reason for the decline of Boston's Jewish neighborhoods. We had already seen it once before. Jewish immigrants typically moved into the immigrant sections of the North, West, and South Ends when they first arrived in Boston, and then made the trek to Roxbury, Mattapan, or Dorchester once they had gathered enough wealth to move out. Undeniably, Boston Jews were already on their way out of the city when the process described by Levine and Harmon began. Professor Sarna also recognizes that there are two sides to the story. So, you know, that remains a big debate. Uh, Gerald Gamm wrote a, also a book on the same subject, and he pointed out um, two things that were of interest. Number one, you had had a lot of movement out towards Brookline Newton before the period uh, that Hillel Levine and the death of an American Jewish community writes about. In other words, uh, people sort of sensed that, as you point out, that people that moving out, that in order to move up, you had to move out. Um, and again, also points out some interesting aspects of life in those communities that Jews had been living kind of on the borders between different Catholic parishes. No one had ever noticed that. Um, and that also um, invited Jewish mobility out where the parish lines were not quite uh, as, as strong. Um, I asked my uh, to, to make it personal. I asked my my father, uh, no longer alive. They moved here in 1965 and came to Brookline. And I I said to him, you know, you weren't that wealthy. Did you think of moving to Mattapan? And he said, no. I went and asked people, and they said Mattapan is a declining community. You don't want to move there. Buy a modest house in Brookline. That's much safer. Brookline is also a town, which had, you know, meant that it could control things, and um, uh, you'll be much happier there. And he said, and that's what we did. But that was very revealing because uh, that suggested that, you know, it was already accepted wisdom that certain communities were on the decline, even though they hadn't vanished yet. It's still incredibly difficult to speak to which one of these developments more influenced the decline of Jewish Boston. It's clear that both of them played a significant role, and I don't think there's enough historical evidence to point one way or another. 
the Jewish community of Boston proper was already in decline. There's also no denying that the blockbusting and redlining of Jewish communities led to their rapid decline. It's likely that these Jewish communities may have vanished anyways, but it's still difficult to speculate. I also think it's important to speak on the fact that there was certainly an element of white flight in the story of Jewish Boston. There were efforts by the Jewish community to live peacefully alongside their African-American neighbors, but there was also a considerable amount of hostility. There were many Jewish people who openly admitted that they did not like the idea of living next to an African-American neighbor, and clear examples of blatant racism. I find that this aspect of the narrative is often glossed over. There was hostility going the other way as well. Elderly Jewish people were often assaulted on the street, and there were many instances of rabbis being harassed or assaulted as well. Ultimately, I don't disagree with either of these narratives. The one aspect of this story that I think is flawed is that there was some higher power that played these two communities against each other. The targeting of Jewish communities was certainly intentional. The lines were drawn almost to the house. The blockbusting and redlining that was completed by real estate agents was certainly evil, but I don't think they were playing God. The real estate agents' actions were not incentivized by the repercussions that would follow and the decline of the Jewish community. They were incentivized by money. This was yet another case in which the evils of capitalism were realized in a tragic manner. Targeting these Jewish communities greatly benefited real estate agents. They only acted out of pure self-interest. One of the most common misconceptions I hear on this matter is that there was some higher conspiracy to play the Jewish community and the African-American community against one another, or a malicious attempt to drive Jewish people out of the city of Boston. The targeting of Jewish communities was evil, but I don't think it was malicious. Real estate agents simply did what would put the most money in their pocket. If that meant targeting Jewish neighborhoods, then that was what they did. The death of an American Jewish community in Boston is not a tale of its malicious destruction. It was yet another failure of the system. Production of Schlepping Up to Boston is made possible by the Senior Capstone Research Program at Boston Latin School, supported by Sydney and Deanna Wolk and their family. Special thanks to interviewees and contributors Steve, Allen, and Carol Sugarman, Professor Jonathan Sarna, Jeremy Burton, Professor Saul Gittleman, Rabbi Toba Spitzer, Ms. Judy Freeman, Jeff Michaelitis, and Ms. Alyssa Frank.